0: Good evening. Welcome to Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, your program with nationally recognized guests who are experts in their fields discussing today's most pressing issues and where your viewpoints matter. So call with your question or comments about this week's topic or whatever else may be of concern to you. Just call Donnell at 563 999 3660 to share your viewpoint. Now, with this week's guest, Here's your Viewpoint host, Donnell Edwards.
1: We'd like to welcome you to uh, Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints for this evening. And our special guest, Ms. Danielle Konkel, is going to be with us tonight. And we're going to be discussing understanding Medicare and health insurance and how they affect your finances. This is a new month, and it's Financial Literacy Month. And we have a full month of programming centered around personal money management with many outstanding guests on my program, like our guest tonight. And also on our personal money management program, the Lionel Shipman Shape Your Finances show on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time, right here on the CWR Talk Network. So join us all month long as we celebrate Financial Literacy Month. And as I mentioned before, our special guest this evening is a Medicare insurance expert, author, and speaker, Ms. Diane Conkle. She is the co-founder of Boomer Benefits, an insurance agency that specializes in Medicare plans. Please join me in welcoming to the CWR Talk Network and Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, Ms. Danielle Conkle. I insist on calling you Diane. I don't know why, but uh, welcome to the program. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you tonight. Uh, Danielle, how did you get into the business of assisting people with Medicare, and what services does your company, Boomer Benefits, provide?
2: Well, we started the insurance agency back in 2005, and we originally helped out individuals under age 65 with family insurance plans, uh, people who didn't have insurance through their employers, and something that happened over the first maybe year and a half or two is that we would often help uh, business owners who might be in their 40s with their insurance plans, self-employed people, and we would get questions about, hey, do you know anything about Medicare because my mom is turning 65, or my dad's got something confusing going on with his Medicare plan, do you know anything about this? And we had enough questions about it over time that we finally looked into providing Medicare plans and just found that the need there is really substantial. There's a lot of misunderstanding about Medicare. It's a confusing national program. People don't know anything about it until they get there. And so over time we've just slowly evolved into really now where we do Um, mainly Medicare products, and we don't offer any of the other types of plans anymore just because there's so many baby boomers aging into Medicare and the need for help is so great. So our agency um, assists them as they are aging into their Medicare benefits with educating them about how those original Medicare benefits work and then helping them to find suitable and affordable supplemental coverage to fill in the gaps in Medicare um, that are not covered by the government plan.
1: Okay, very good. Now you mentioned how confusing Medicare is. Medicare has been around for a long time, so you would think that people would begin to grasp the the basic concepts. So, is yeah. is one of the problems that it's constantly emerging or evolving? It's changing a lot, or or uh, what is it that makes it so so difficult to understand?
2: I think the the two parts of why it's confusing are that you never really care about it until it becomes time for you to go on to this program. So, you know, prior to Medicare being created in America, people would work uh, very late into their elderly years trying to maintain group insurance, and then afterwards there really were not a lot of individual insurance options whatsoever. So when Medicare uh, was created, it filled a really great need, and the coverage is very similar today today. Uh, as it was back in the 60s. However, there's moving parts. So you spend your whole life in America working for a company, and usually that company provides you with your health insurance benefits. So they may give you one or two choices. You might be able to choose between a PPO and an HMO plan. But you get to Medicare and you've got four moving parts, there are ten standardized Medicare supplement plans that are offered across the nation, and now there are dozens of Medicare Advantage and drug plans in every state. So, all of those letters and plans, um, coupled with being brand new to this national health insurance thing and never have having had to make those type of decisions before, can be really overwhelming for a lot of people.
1: Okay, now sometimes people get confused. Uh, they confuse Medicare with Medicaid, uh, what is the mm-hmm. difference between those two and who qualifies for both of those?
2: You're right. That is a big confusion for a lot of people. So Medicare is our federal program for people who are age 65 or older and for people with certain disabilities um, that you qualify for. For instance, if you have a Social Security disability income benefits, after 24 months, you qualify for Medicare and it doesn't matter um, if you're younger than 65, if you have a disability that qualifies you. Medicare is something you qualify for based on either age or disability, but income doesn't matter. Medicaid, on the other hand, is a health insurance program to assist people who have low incomes with affordable care. And this can be something you can qualify for at any age. So it's totally dependent on income And not on age and it is possible to qualify for both in the instance that you are over age 65 and you are low income you can have Medicare be your primary insurance and Medicaid can function as your secondary
1: that's interesting I I was not aware of that Uh, that's that's another good reason for people to listen to this program now uh, (laughs) uh, 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 you kind of touched on this this, just already but I wanted to ask Uh, When should a person begin to learn about Medicare? Most of us think, like you just mentioned, that only retirees or soon-to-be retirees should be concerned about Medicare. But is it wise for young adults to learn about Medicare early and begin doing whatever they can to prepare for their future And uh, now instead of uh, waiting until they retire?
2: You know, it's such a great question because I often have said uh, that they should send a notice out to people when they turn 50 and have classes that people can go to to know what their benefits will be about in 15 years because there's a lot of confusion out there about uh, Medicare and what it costs. Um, Some people are under the perception that since you have payroll taxes being deducted during your working years that Medicare is totally free when you get to be age 65 and that's definitely not the case. So it would be great if there was people or some some sort of program to help people know about this early enough that they would be able to do some additional saving that they maybe hadn't planned for. Um, And unfortunately, our government doesn't provide that. So uh, what we suggest to people is that they should start looking at um, their choices for Medicare at least six months to a year before they're eligible. And if you are budgeting with a financial planner, you should look at it at least five years earlier than when you're going to retire. Because if you have not planned for those expenses in retirement, it may be that you decide to work an extra year or two past the traditional Medicare age so that you can supplement the cost of uh, health insurance and delay that enrollment into Medicare if you hadn't saved um, quite enough to prepare for that.
1: Okay, now you mentioned something interesting, and I, I want to follow up on that. Uh, I am a strong proponent of teaching economics in, in high school. I, I don't feel like
3: yeah.
1: uh, we, we do enough to educate our young people. And one of the reasons I asked that question about when to start is because, just like you just mentioned, some people have the the idea that when they reach retirement age and get on uh, Medicare, that is going to be absolutely free. And mm-hmm. that's far from the truth. So uh, the reason I ask that question is when someone gets to the age of retirement, they haven't planned well, they don't have anything to supplement what they're going to be receiving from Social Security, they don't have enough to live on already. And then they think yeah. that the health insurance now is going to be free because they paid in all these years for it and then they get hit with the fact that there's another bill that they're going to have to pay mm-hmm. or they're going to have to yeah. do without health care so do we need to start doing something uh at even an even younger age to get people uh, aware of you know that not just planning for retirement but also
2: mm-hmm. planning
1: for the cost of medicare
2: Definitely, the cost of health care and retirement, because, um, you know, let alone the fact that you end up paying a premium for your coverage under Medicare Parts B and D, uh, that doesn't cover everything, and it can leave you um, with some significant financial debt if you didn't have additional coverage to fill in some of those gaps. So I really think it's so important um, for financial planners um, to communicate this with their clients that they're working through during their earlier years shows like this one are a great way to get the word out I think that they should have people in banks who are meeting with their um, clients to mention these kind of things and it would be great if Medicare would use some sort of publicity campaign to prepare people Um, You know, you may not need to be 25 and learning about it because the program will likely be very different uh, 40 years from then. But in your 50s, um, when you're really starting to look at that horizon, it's so important for you to know what those costs might be so that you can do some additional planning for them. And we do meet people every year who turned 65 and were planning on retiring and then get smacked with this information. They didn't know that they were going to have to spend money for this. And I've actually seen over the course of my career a number of people who have continued to work several years past 65 because they just weren't aware and they needed those couple of years of extra income to save up for those costs that they would later pay for Medicare and retirement.
1: Okay. I understand that fully. Now, we're going to talk some more about this, uh, but right now we're going to take a short break. If you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is Understanding Medicare and Health Insurance and How They Affect Your Finances. And our special guest is Medicare insurance expert, Ms. Danielle Conkle. Uh, if you have a question for Ms. Conkle, call us at 563-999-3660. When you call, please remain on the line and you will be placed in our computerized call queue. That number again is 563 999 3660. When we return, we'll discuss how Medicare works and how to save on health care and health insurance. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm.
0: Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag 1 million strong.
3: From the bargain hunter to the overspender, we all have a unique relationship with the Almighty Dollar. But how can a basic understanding of our relationship with money help us better manage it now and in the future?
2: As children, there are certain messages we learn about money from our parents, from what they say about it to what they do with it. And these messages are organized in our brains at a very early age. It really does help to form our money personality.
3: In an effort to help people understand their financial habits, nationally recognized financial experts John and Eileen Gallo have teamed up with Visa to create a money personality quiz. This quiz is based on a concept developed by the Gallows that each of us develops a unique relationship with our money in three areas acquisition use and management this interactive tool comprised of three interactive rulers each representing three different skill areas helps consumers assess and measure different aspects of their money styles
1: and it gives you tips on how you can go change your behaviors in each of those three different areas this allows you not only to understand what your relationship is with money Or better yet,
0: volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong.
1: Welcome back. If you just joined us, this is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and tonight's topic for discussion is understanding Medicare and health insurance and how they affect your finances. And our special guest is Medicare insurance ex- and speaker, Ms. Danielle Kunkel. Uh Danielle, in terms of health insurance costs and the cost of health care in general, what can the average person do to save and still get the best protection?
2: well um i think uh, when it comes to health care it's very important for you to if at all possible take advantage of programs that are designed to help you afford them so for example um now when you are under 65 and you have access to the affordable care act this has been a an, a very great tool for people who have not had access to health care before to gain access and many people are unaware that you can apply for a subsidy based on your household income and that those subsidies can apply on a sliding scale. So you'll often find that people uh, may not even be aware that they qualified for some help and actually do qualify. Um, and similarly with Medicare, there are Medicare savings programs um, that, you, that you actually apply for through your state Medicaid office that can help to either pay for or reduce your Medicare Parts B and D premiums, if you qualify for those, And uh, there is a publicity campaign about this that Medicare runs because they uh, will actually mail you a letter if they think that you may qualify and you haven't applied. So there are literally thousands of people out there that probably could qualify and just don't know about it. So if you're eligible for Medicare, you can go to Medicare's website and look up Medicare savings programs, and there's several levels of coverage there that you may be able to qualify for that will help you reduce some of those costs of Medicare.
1: Okay. Now, uh, in in each one of the states, are there state agencies, in addition to the federal government, that uh, individuals may go to to get information about Medicare?
2: A lot of the state agencies um, will provide that information. So even if they are not the ones that would deliver those um, savings programs, it could direct you to the right place. And then even just for general knowledge about enrolling in Medicare. So your area agency on aging, uh, almost all states have that type of department where you can go and learn um, about those benefits.
1: Okay, very good. Now, although most people are familiar with the term Medicare, most people don't understand it as we've been discussing through the program tonight so far. Uh, This includes even many who are already enrolled in the program. So just how does medicare work i know you've touched on this a little bit but mm-hmm. from the beginning initially uh the process of enrolling and then actually using medicare and and uh getting services how does that all work
2: so When you are turning 65, which is when the majority of people become eligible for Medicare, if you're not someone that's applying when you're disabled but you're aging into Medicare, you are given a seven-month window that starts three months before your 65th birthday, and it runs through the month of your 65th birthday and then runs three months after that. This is called your initial enrollment period, and during this time, you can apply for Medicare Parts A and B which are called Original Medicare, and you do this at the Social Security office um, in person, or you can go online uh, and put an application in for your Medicare right online, and they will mail your card out to you. So Medicare has two parts uh, originally, and these, these two parts have been around since the 60s. They really haven't changed very much at all. Medicare Part A provides your inpatient hospital, and Medicare Part B provides your outpatient benefits. And so if you do not have any other coverage, if you don't work for someone and have employer coverage, or if you don't have, say, um, veterans benefits, then you are going to want to enroll in both of those parts to make up the foundation of your coverage. And this will cover everything from inpatient hospital stays, skilled nursing facilities, hospice, to outpatient surgeries, doctor visits, lab work, preventive care, ambulance, emergency care, Pretty much anything that is medically necessary care is going to be covered under Medicare Parts A and B. Now you are responsible for some cost-sharing, so just like other insurance that you've had in your lifetime where you have a deductible if you go in the hospital or you go to the doctor and you might pay a $10 or $20 copay, Medicare has the same things. So when you have a hospital stay, you'll have a deductible that you pay. And your first outpatient service of the year, you have a deductible, and then Medicare Part B pays 80% the rest of the year. And you are responsible for those deductibles. You pay the other 20% of of Part B. And so um, that's how the Medicare works to cover you and provide the basics of your coverage. Now, you do have to be either a US citizen or someone that has lived here continuously for at least five years to be eligible for Medicare. And when you set up your plan, when you're electing um, a drug plan or if you enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan, which we can maybe get into a little bit later, um, some of those are going to be state-based, meaning you have to apply for plans in the residential area in which you live. But your basic Medicare, the original part of Medicare, everyone applies for those two parts at the Social Security office. And then your benefits, usually if you apply in the three months before you turn 65, those benefits will begin on the first of the month and we turn 65. Unless you happen to be someone that's born on the first day of a month, then you can actually get your Medicare benefits one full month early. Those benefits will always start on the first. Um, Some people, of course, are still working at 65, which is very common these days. And if you work for a large employer that has more than 20 employees, That insurance will be primary to Medicare, and so you could then delay enrolling into Medicare Parts B and D, which have costs associated with them, uh, because your group coverage will already include things like outpatient and drug coverage. Uh, So it's very common for working people to delay Medicare enrollment until they enroll, and then later when they're 68 or 72 or 75, however long they continue to work, Uh, They'll be given a special election period at the time that they retire to pick up those parts that they didn't enroll in when they were turning 65 because they were still working at that time.
1: Okay, very good. Now, uh, here's a scenario I want to ask you about. Say someone uh, turned 65 and uh, stopped working and got on Medicare, Mm -hmm. and things happen where they – didn't plan well enough and had to go back to work, Yeah. and they work for a company where they could get uh, the company insurance, can they get off Medicare and yes. go on the company insurance?
2: They sure can. And this has happened a number of times. We've helped clients with this a few times over the years. And the scenario that you gave is exactly what happens. So they retire, and they either maybe just didn't have quite enough, or they're not living as comfortably as they had hoped, so they decide to go back to work. Or we also sometimes find, uh, because we're such a society of working people, that they retire and they're bored. So they'll go back and get a job. (laughs) Um, And whenever this happens, uh, as long as you're going to be working for a company that has more than 20 people, You can then drop your Part B. You can drop any supplemental coverage or drug coverage that you've gotten. You can go back to work and elect the company's insurance. And then let's say five years later you retire again, you'll be given a new open enrollment period to pick up all of those parts of Medicare without any penalty.
1: Okay. Now, uh, what is the the most intimidating part about the enrollment process for, for most people?
2: I really think one of the most intimidating things is the insurance companies. So when you are turning 65, about a year before you hit that age, you are literally bombarded from every possible angle by insurance companies trying to get their name brand in front of you. So they will mass mail you, you'll come home from work and you'll have a pile of mail every day, postcards, and people are very confused and overwhelmed about what things are solicitations and what things are things they should be keeping. Um, So one tip I have for your listeners is anything that you get in the mail from Social Security or from the Centers for Medicaid and Medicaid Services, those are keepers. Anything that you get with an insurance company's name on it, united Healthcare, Blue Cross, Aetna, Humana, Cigna, and bunches of other companies, um, these are solicitations. And this is trying to sell you on perhaps a drug plan or a Part D plan. And that is something that you can throw out or save for later because until you're actually ready to enroll, you really don't need that material. Um, They're just throwing spaghetti at the wall And hoping that if you are going to enroll in medicare you'll have seen their name enough times that you might call them and ask them about supplemental coverage and this is very overwhelming and people also get telemarketed by these same insurance companies Um, and so their phone rings non-stop they go online on facebook and they see ads that are being targeted to them so pretty much everywhere they go uh, they're bombarded by information and and to me um, that is the most common frustration that i hear Uh, We do a webinar here every two weeks, a new to Medicare webinar. It's free and open to the public where people can come and learn. There's no sales pitches. And I often ask my people who are signing up for the webinar ahead of time, what has been your biggest frustration? And that is the number one answer. Um, All of the mail and all the phone calls, it's too much, it's kind of an information overload and also sort of too many choices. Um, So I think the best thing you can do to help yourself is to kind of set all those solicitations aside and uh, wait until you get enrolled in your Medicare and it's time to make some supplemental decisions before you start reading into that material. And that will help to sort of put some of that confusion at bay um, until such time that you can talk with a professional that can guide you through those decisions.
1: Okay, Uh, you mentioned something else a few minutes ago that I wanted to go back to. Uh, You mentioned Medicare Advantage. Uh, Can you tell us what the difference is between Medicare Advantage and Medicare Supplement?
2: Sure. So whenever you uh, turn 65 and enroll in Medicare and you're deciding on something to help cover the gaps, you really have two main avenues. One is your traditional Medicare supplement, which is also called a Medigap plan. Those are the same thing. Uh, A Medigap plan pays after Medicare. So Medicare gets your bill, it processes it, and the parts that you would normally pay Instead, get sent to the Medigap company, and the Medigap company pays. Um, depending on which plan you choose, it may cover absolutely everything, and you have not a single dollar out of your pocket for anything from a doctor visit to a knee replacement. Uh, or you could buy coverage that covers some but not all, and it leaves you with a little bit to pay. Um, the key is that because Medigap plans pay after Medicare, you can see any doctor in the United States, any healthcare provider that is uh, accepting Medicare, which is almost 900,000 providers. You don't have to get a referral. You don't have to pick a primary care doctor. You can literally uh, be a, sno- a snowbird and see your doctor in Tennessee and see your doctor in Florida. <laughs> um, so the coverage is really versatile with a lot of freedom of access to your own providers and much more predictable in the cost. However, it is a little more expensive. So. Okay. Um, Congress noted that we had lots of people that couldn't afford a Medicare supplement and uh, then would just go with original Medicare and, you know, quickly face medical bankruptcy when they needed a surgery or something like that. So in the 90s, um, they created a a new option called Medicare Part C, which is also called the Medicare Advantage Program. And this is where you sign up with a private insurance company to get all the same Medicare Part A and B benefits, through that company, and that company will form a network of providers in your local area. So you're going to be dealing with a much smaller group of doctors that you have access to. Um, Instead of the whole nation, you're going to be working with a network that might be statewide or maybe even just in a couple counties close to you, depending on how the plan has designed the network. And these typically will be an HMO or a PPO. Your HMO is traditional where you pick a primary care doctor, and you usually have to get a referral before you can see a specialist, and you pay copays as you go along. A PPO will usually cost a little bit more, um, but you have more access. You could go outside the network at a higher cost to yourself if you uh, wanted to go outside of the network. And these plans get compensated by Medicare to take on your medical risk. So now when you have a health condition, That bill, instead of going to Medicare, goes to the Advantage company, and Medicare pays that company uh, for taking on that risk. And now the federal government doesn't have to look at you like a big question mark. Are you healthy? Are you sick? They don't have to budget for all of that. They let the Advantage company do that. So the Advantage company is very interested in you enrolling so they can get that money from Medicare, and they will offer plans as low as zero. So you can actually find a Medicare Advantage plan in some areas, a lot of urban areas, where there's no premium at all. Now, you still have to pay for your Part B. You're gonna pay $134 a month for Part B uh, and more if you earn more than a certain amount of income. People with higher incomes pay more. And you have to be enrolled in Part A and B to be eligible for an Advantage plan. But whereas you might pay $100 to $200 for a Medigap plan to go on top of your Part B, an Advantage plan may have a premium of anywhere from zero to 100. There are some that may cost more uh, but you can find them pretty inexpensive, and these have really been a great option for people, uh, like you mentioned earlier, that maybe got to 65, and there just literally isn't an extra penny. Um, this can be a way for them to gain some coverage and not be um, facing a 20% unending bill on Part B. Uh, they can, you know, work with a local network of providers and pay some copays as they go along. So uh, you pay less up front, and you have some copays pays as you treat on the back end, which may be more manageable for people uh, if they don't have quite enough to afford a Medigap plan.
1: Okay. Uh, not to oversimplify this, but if I understood correctly, the Medicare supplement will give the best benefits and coverage, but it's more expensive.
2: And yes. the M-
1: Medicare Advantage is less expensive but may not give uh, quite the, the, uh, the same, same coverage.
2: Yeah, so you'll have maybe a little more restriction because you've got to play by some network rules. And also um, on an Advantage plan, there might be some things where you do pay 20%. So for example, okay. it's very common on an Advantage plan to find that uh, you might pay 20% for durable medical equipment. Uh, A lot of plans will charge you 20% for chemotherapy or injectable Part B drugs. However, unlike Part B, where you just pay the 20% forever, Advantage plans come with a built-in out-of-pocket maximum to protect you. So if you enroll in a plan that has a $4,000 out-of-pocket maximum, even if you're paying 20%, as soon as you hit $4,000 out-of-pocket in that calendar year, the insurance company then covers 100% for the rest of the year on your A and B covered services. Um, And so this would, of course, be a better option than just having original Medicare and and no cap to protect you.
1: Okay. Now, this is one of the reasons I wanted to have this program about Medicare and health care, because you mentioned uh, just a few minutes in your comments how some people can go into medical bankruptcy. And the statistics show the one of the leading causes of bankruptcy is people having unexpected or unaffordable medical expenses that they can't pay, yeah. And so it has right. a, can have a severe impact on a person's uh, personal finances. And most people don't think about this. They're not aware of it. So we wanted to have this discussion tonight. So we thank you for, for being here with us. We're going to come back and talk some more about this uh, later on. Uh, we are talking with medical Uh, Medicare insurance expert Ms. Danielle Conkle and we're talking about understanding Medicare and health care insurance and how they affect your finances when we return we're going to talk about uh, the types of Medicare supplements available Uh, well we've already talked about that but we're going to uh, talk about uh, how you can choose uh, what's best for you in planning for your health care and your Medicare So we'll be right back after this message.
0: You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong.
3: College is back in session, and new survey results show that many students are getting failing grades when it comes to managing their money. According to a recent Visa USA consumer survey, 42% of consumers have never checked their credit score. The same survey found that only 20% of Americans know that it's perfectly legal for employers to refuse to hire a job applicant if they have a bad credit score. Jason Alderman is a personal finance expert and director of Visa's free consumer education and awareness program called What's My Score?
0: College students entering
2: the workforce need to know what their credit score is because it can have a serious impact on their ability to get hired. A bad credit score can send an otherwise well-qualified job applicant rate to the unemployment line. That's why it is so important for everyone to stick to a budget and pay their bills on time.
3: Students and adults can get a free estimate of their credit score and tips on how to better manage their money by visiting whatsmyscore.org. I'm Lee Shepard.
0: to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong.
1: Welcome back. This is Donnell Edwards' Viewpoints, and thanks for joining us for tonight's discussion, Understanding Medicare and Health Insurance and How They Affect Your Finances. We're joined tonight by Medicare insurance expert, Ms. Danielle Kunkel. Uh, Danielle, uh, there are different parts of Medicare, as you mentioned, the Part A and the Part B, which uh, may be one of the reasons this is all so confusing, uh, at least to me. But uh, there's another part, too, that's really important. Can you tell us about the Part D donut hole and what new enrollees as well as current recipients need to know about it?
2: Yes. So um, one of the unpopular parts of Medicare Part D <laughs> um, was the donut hole. So when Medicare first created Part D, um, I can't state enough how wonderful the coverage was. Prior to 2006, I had clients who were uh, paying 10 to $15,000 a year for diabetes medications. They There literally was no outpatient drug coverage in Medicare, um, so people would rob Peter to pay Paul for their meds and Part D solved a lot of that, made medications affordable. However, because Medicare foots most of the bill for the the federal Part D program, they needed to find a way to encourage beneficiaries to participate in using generics whenever possible to keep the cost of the Part D program uh, down as a whole. And they did this by creating a hole in the middle of the plan. So if you are, conscientious enough to use generic medications and take your medications sparingly, Um, you can try to keep your total drug spending under a certain limit each year. This year, that limit is $3,750. If the total cost of your drug stays under that, then you don't even fall into the donut hole, uh, which is called the, the coverage gap by Medicare. Uh, however if you spend more than that you reach a point where now instead of paying just a copay for your drug you pay a percentage which may be more than what you paid before so for example this year you pay 35% of the cost of your brand name drug. well if that drug is $400 35% can be quite a bit of money and uh, this is very like I said very unpopular with uh, people on Medicare who end up having a, more drug spending now fortunately Um, The Affordable Care Act actually slated to get rid of the donut hole starting in 2020, but in the recent budget deal passed by Congress, they bumped that up a year. So, we are now in the very last year where uh, people on Medicare will ever have to worry about the donut hole. So, um, if you're in uh, in a Part D plan this year, your best bet to try to stay out of the coverage gap is to... Whenever you can, uh, work with your doctor to find the least expensive medications for you to take as possible. Uh, You can also sometimes uh, find medications just as inexpensively through discount programs like GoodRx.com. So anything that you can fill outside of your Part D plan to stay underneath that gap threshold uh, will help you from reaching that point and having to pay more for your medications. But if you happen to get there this year, you at least have some silver lining in that you will not have to worry about this donut hole ever again after December of this year.
1: Okay, so if I heard you correctly, the key there is to, whenever possible, use generics or the least expensive type of drug that you can find, is that correct? That's
2: right, to keep that total under 37.50 if you can, yeah.
1: Okay, all right, very good. Now you mentioned the uh, Affordable Care Act, or ACA, or Obamacare, is it's mm-hmm. called. So let's just yes. give for a moment and, and talk about that. Uh, if someone is currently receiving coverage under the Affordable Care Act, what are some circumstances that may uh, require them to transition to Medicare, or may uh, be more advantageous for them to make mm-hmm. that transition to Medicare?
2: Yeah, and um, this is a really important point. So I'm so glad that you brought it up. Um, one of the things that has Prior to Obamacare, people were always delighted to become eligible for Medicare because insurance for people under 65 has, has for many decades been more expensive usually than Medicare is um, uh, when you turn 65. However, now with the Affordable Care Act, people who um, fall under that income threshold to where they get a subsidy that helps them to pay for their Obamacare plan. Uh, you have people that are turning 65 that may be paying nothing or very little for their health insurance now and they would love to stay um, on the Affordable Care Act plan but they, are, they cannot. So when you turn 65, um, you need to move to Medicare. Uh, if you get caught staying on the Affordable Care Act plan, uh, your subsidy will be taken away from you and you will have missed your initial enrollment period for Medicare. Now you're without coverage and you also have to wait until um, the following general enrollment period to be able to enroll in Medicare and you'll pay a penalty for a late enrollment. Um, So this was such a problem that Congress actually created a special window for a short period of time last September to let people who had made this mistake go ahead and get into Medicare without a penalty. Um, So even if you love your Affordable Care Act plan and you're paying nothing for it, it was never meant to replace Medicare. So when you turn 65, you need to leave your uh, ACA plan and transition over to Medicare Parts A and B so that you won't end up in a position later on where you have delayed coverage and a penalty.
1: Okay, great. That's good information to know. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a lot of effort made early on in the Trump administration to totally dismantle Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act,
2: Uh,
1: there were executive orders to uh, attack portions of the ACA or eliminate it altogether. For for some time now, things have been relatively quiet on on that front. So in your opinion, as an expert, do you expect the Trump administration to resume their attack on Obamacare?
2: You know, um, it's a good question. To me, it doesn't look like currently Congress and the president have even been able to pass a stabilization bill, let alone uh, something for repeal. And while there has been some bipartisan support, we often find that Republicans at the last minute always want to throw in something like abortion, which ends up killing this bill. Um, So with this being an election year, I think a lot of lawmakers will worry about proposing another bill that doesn't pass. That said, you know, Trump is very unpredictable, and a lot of um, people in the House and Senate go along with what he says. So while I wouldn't rule out one last push to get something done while they still have control of both chambers, uh, I think their best bet that they may try to do is to continue to chip away at it to make it fail, you know, by not reimbursing the cost sharing subsidies or getting rid of the individual mandate penalty. These are two examples of where they're chipping away at the bill but i think they need to be careful with this because on the flip side uh we're looking at national health care for everyone which may be something that the nation really can't afford right now um so i do think it will be very interesting to see in this upcoming election who will benefit from the current state of the market and who will get blamed (laughs) Um, but i would be surprised if they ever can get a repeal passed through i don't think that will happen
1: okay well that's good news now danielle uh before you go what are the most important things you would like to leave our listeners with that they should know and be aware of about Medicare and how understanding Medicare and health insurance can have a positive impact on a person's financial well-being?
2: Yes. So you, you really um, will help yourself out a great deal if six months to a year before you turn 65 you start doing some reading. So there's a lot of great sources for information out there. Uh, First of all, Medicare is going to mail you a handbook. It's called the Medicare New Handbook, or they'll send you one electronically if you prefer. You can find it online. You can type in Medicare New Handbook, and it'll pull up a book right there. And this breaks Medicare down into pretty simple explanations. So if you're a reader, that is a great place to start. Um, There are also uh, uh, the Medicare.gov website, which has a lot of information, the Social Security website, and you want to get a handle on the basics of Medicare, what the parts of Medicare A, B, and D cover. Attack that first until you have a good understanding, and then you want to look at your supplemental options after that. And when you're not rushed, if you don't delay this until the last minute, you won't, um, you won't feel quite as overwhelmed Um, Our website at boomerbenefits.com has a ton of reading um, in large font (laughs) that's easy to read and uh, simplifies a lot of the terms that people find confusing. Um, Your listeners are welcome to visit there. Um, I mentioned earlier that we also do a new to Medicare webinar. Those are the types of things that if you attend a couple of them, and that's probably my best advice, attend a couple of them and do a little bit of reading so that you consume the information more than once. And that seems to be the thing that really helps it to stick and makes a little light bulb go off where you start to understand how all the pieces work together. So give yourself plenty of time and get the information from more than one source and you should be in pretty good shape.
1: Okay, thank you. Danielle, thank you so much for making Medicare more understandable for us tonight and helping us to understand many of the important terms and the different parts of the program and just how everything works. So on behalf of of the CWR Talk Network. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and helping us celebrate Financial Literacy Month.
2: You are very welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay. Danielle, please tell our listeners uh, who may like to contact you to learn more about you and your company, Boomer Benefits, or to hire you to speak at their next event, how they may contact you.
2: Um, We can be found online at boomerbenefits.com. Or you can call our toll-free number, which is 1-855-732-9055. We are also on Facebook, where we have almost 40,000 fans. So you can find the Boomer Benefits page on Facebook, and any of those would be a great way to connect with us.
1: Okay. Thank you so much again for joining us this evening. We would also like to uh, thank each of you, our listeners in CWR Nation, for joining us for tonight's broadcast. Our month-long celebration of Financial Literacy Month continues Monday night at 6.30 p.m. when I return to discuss how to maintain or take control of your finances with my guest, Ms. Shannon Ryan. Shannon is a certified financial planner, or CFP, with two decades of experience helping individuals, families, and businesses become financially confident. Among the things we will discuss are how to raise financially confident children, finding financial happiness, how to be the CFO of your life and your family, and why you need to be emotionally competent with your money. So please join me Monday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time as we continue our special programming for Financial Liter- Liter- Literacy Month. Uh, my tongue is not with me tonight, uh, And don't forget, we're also available on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google+. And if you miss any episodes, you may listen to them through these services. That's it for tonight's program. Have a good night and a great week. And please join us again Monday night at 6.30 p.m. for How to Maintain or Take Control of Your Finances with my guest, Ms. Shannon Ryan. So have a good evening. (laughs)
0: Listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag 1 million strong.